0: Before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the McLemore. Folks, my buddies and I were there for our annual golf trip, and it was amazing. Everything about the place is first class. We had great accommodations. The practice facility is wonderful. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig had outstanding food, and the service was great. And the course lived up to expectations. Folks, we had high ones going in, and it lived up to every one of them. I can't say enough great things about the McLemore. Go online to see for yourself how spectacular the place is at themaclamore.com. The course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones and our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley, who's going to join me again here in a few weeks. Said outside of Pebble Beach, the most outstanding 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed with him, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why we're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themaclamore.com. And, folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand or flop shot? Guess what? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than them all, and that's the new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With the newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to tailormadegolf.com for more information. Okay, now back in making his 10th appearance with me this 2013 Senior Open Champion and now one of the top instructors in the game, Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon and grew up in Escondido, California played his college golf at Palomar Junior College, and then San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur, and he won the 77 Idaho Amateur as well. He was named second-team All-American in 1979 while at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and started on the PGA Tour in 1983 got his first win at the 1985 Anheuser-Busch Classic when he beat John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. Won again the following year at the 1986 Hardy's Golf Classic, this time by a stroke over Kurt Byram, thanks to a birdie on 17 during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins' record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. Like I mentioned earlier, that he won the 2013 Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale. Defeating Bernard Longer on the fifth playoff hole after a final round 66. Later in 2013, he captured the Pacific Links Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin, and always won eight times as a professional, twice on the PGA Tour, five times on the Champions Tour, plus the 1986 Colorado Open. He's a wonderful guy, and like I say, become a great friend. And I'm really thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey Mark, how are you, my friend?
1: Chris, how are you, buddy? That is- I cannot believe this is the 10th time now that we've got to talk a little bit about golf.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough. 10 times, double digit. You're fantastic.
1: <laughs> I feel like on Saturday Night Live, you get to the five timers club. Now I'm the 10 timers club. I love That's
0: it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So Marcus Beneman, the last time we caught up was back in November. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far in 2021?
1: Well, it's, it's nice that we're starting to see a, uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but kind of a semi back to life after this pandemic. It's been, uh, something else, uh, part of history, I guess now. Um, and trying to get through that and like everyone else um been teaching a little bit more and uh loving that I'm working with a couple uh of juniors that are actually coming down from the bay area to uh to come in and when they come in we we go big uh uh we go for most of the day so it's a uh right now with the weather the way it is in arizona we can't we can go in the morning basically and uh so we go hard when we go. We go, you know, eight to one or two and, and grind it out and get better and send them on their way. So been keeping busy doing that. That's been great following their, uh, their progress has been really fun for me. And yeah, and just kind of, uh, that's it. Just trying to, you know, playing a little bit, got my aches and pains with my neck. So I don't get to play as much as I, I would like to, but. Well, probably watching golf more than I ever have uh, on TV, trying to keep up with things and uh, stay current for sure. And, yeah, that's it.
0: So so let's talk a little bit about, you know, you talk about staying current and watching golf on TV. One of the things I was surprised to see when I was looking over the Champions Tour schedule, Mark, is we've got back-to-back majors. I mean, essentially, we got the U.S. Senior Open. Coming up this week. And there's a, then there's sort of a, a travel week, is what I'm guessing. And then the a the, you know, couple weeks from now, then we've got the senior open championship. Seems a little odd that we get these sort of back to back majors on the champions tour. I would imagine it's hard to prepare for something. That's got to be a huge mental grind. What what are your thoughts on having these majors in, in essentially back to back weeks?
1: I can tell you we actually did back to back weeks when I was still playing. And we went from Scotland, and I'm trying to remember where we were. Uh, we may have been at Carnoustie, and then we were going to Seattle for the Senior Open the following wow. week. So we we flew from, our, our, you know, that's a long way to go from Scotland all the way back to the West Coast, and then have to perform uh, that week. I did I did not do well. I think that's when I really thought, uh, well, Bernie has really got it going on. Cause I, I don't know if he won both of those or what, but uh it was incredible to be able to do that. I just couldn't – there's no way I could get my body to adjust. I could do it fine going over, but coming back and then having to perform, uh that's hard for the players. Now, I understand, especially on the uh, Champions Tour, with the scheduling, you know, you're, you're kind of limited and you, as far as, you know, being over 50 and playing golf, you know, still for a living in some cases and not in others, it's still, uh, you're still kind of fortunate. So you'll, you kind of take what you get, I think attitude. I don't think the champions has a, enough of a voice to say, Hey, don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, give us a break in between majors. But also, on the champions tour, there's five majors, so it's uh right. there's more that, that there might that might happen more often than not, and again, there's not as many tournaments on the for their whole tour anyway as compared to the tour so I can see that happening It's really hard as a player to adjust um you know you you kind of have a golf game that you you're trying to do when you do whenever you go to the uh senior British or the regular open, uh, you just have a game that you're kind of almost, you're not for sure you're going to play that game, but you're pretty sure you're going to play that game because there's going to be some weather. So you're going to play more on the ground and shorter swings, three quarters, more wind blowing, trying to stable yourself. Uh, there's a certain kind of golf you play when you go over there, and uh you have to know, if, you know, what's 30 yards short of the green, which way does the fairway pitch, because if it slopes right to left, then you need to know that to play for your bounce into the green if it were to be windy, and eventually it will be. So uh there's that kind of golf, and then you go put the brakes on, and you come back to – Our golf over here in our country, uh, is not like that for the most part. And that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden now we're playing fly it to the green or fly it to the pins, you know, and play for spin and a lot of that kind of stuff. And fall doesn't roll as much off the tee. It's more lush, more green. We have forced carries. There, there's so much different golf going on. So. It's such a hard adjustment, I think. Now, maybe going from, uh, an open to a PGA or, uh, or maybe even a players championship going, going from a P- senior PGA to a to senior players maybe would be an easier adjustment, mainly because of the flights. You don't have to fly across, you know, across the pond, as they say. So it's hard. I, I can tell you, I don't I don't know what it's like for an organizer, but as a player, that's a, that's a hard deal to get done.
0: It's got to be a mental grind, I would think. Now, first, to your point, you've got the travel that you have to deal with and obviously the, the jet lag with that. And then the other thing you talk about is the different styles of golf, right? I mean, you're going from... Playing over here in in our, you know, fly it to the green, higher, you know, shot, spin and that sort of thing to a a ground game that's much more like you talked about. 30 yards short, you're you're kind of looking to see, am am I running this up there? What way does the fairway sort of undulate and break and all of that sort of thing? Then you've got when you're over there playing in an open championship, you've got the weather to deal with because you can get all four seasons in in one round. so It could be cold, it could be windy, it could be raining. It could cycle back through all of those things multiple different times. So you've got that sort of mental grind. And now you're coming back and you're going to play in a in a, in a U.S. Open. My goodness, that's just got to be uh, taxing on your brain.
1: Well, yeah, and, and I don't care how you fly. First class, private, it doesn't matter. You, you're worn out. If you've given it all you have, Then you've given it all you have and then you have to go on the flight back, I guess, get back what you just gave. You don't have anymore. So there's, there's no like a recoup time of, you know, at the end of a, a normal tournament, most players, uh, in their prime, I don't care what, how old you were, but when you're really in the, when you're really at your best, you're fatigued mentally at the end of the day. Not only for the playing part, but you've worked on something on your swing and you've grinded it and you've trusted that and it's you've gone on played with it and then you've grouped some either that or something else at the end of the day. So emotionally, thought wise, you're drained. You're on that's on a normal golf day. Now throw a major into it and then throw overseas into it and you you just got a, a, a tough go. And you know what? I commend those guys that can do that because you know what? I wish I could have done that better. I don't know how I would have because I don't know how to I don't know how you can do that. I guess multiple times doing that would probably callous you a little bit to uh and mature you, I guess, to the point where you kinda knew your body enough, you know what your limits are, uh And then maybe just accepted the fact you were playing two majors in a row. I don't know. That's a tough one for the player, though. I'm not trying to feel sorry for the player because as players, we have so much. But, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one.
0: Mark, as the winner of the senior open, you get invited to play the following year in the open championship. In 2014, you got to play in the Open at Royal Liverpool. What do you remember about that week?
1: I got to tell you, the success through golf was not there for me, but I have to tell you that's one of the coolest times of my life. Um, The first thing was, that was my start at, at Toy Lake, at Royal Liverpool, was my 500th official start on the PGA Tour. I sat at four ninety nine wow. forever and my son kept harping on me. Dad just asked for an exemption somewhere so you can get five hundred. And I said, Gunner, I'm not gonna do that. I'm playing on the champions tour. Uh I'm I'm just gonna let things you know, it it'll be fine. He goes, Dad, you're at four ninety nine and I said, I know, look I, I wish I was at five hundred, but Anyway, so then I went, I'm in the senior open and I get to see it. So it's my 500th start, official start on the PGA tour. Huge milestone, I I think. It, it was to me. Um, uh, and then the, and the trip from that my wife, Kathy and I took from Hoy Lake to Wales. And we did it by car, and there was the signs were not we could not understand because it was in Welsh, and and they do a lot of vowels in a row over there, and a couple T's and a couple D's, and try to figure that out, and so no chance. So I mapped out every everything on MapQuest, and we had the greatest drive over. It was beautiful. We were on the top of a mountain range with ghosts in the way, so wow. equivalent to maybe not elevation wise but equivalent to going from in if you're in Boulder and you're going over the the divide the continental divide or whatever that's called the big range of mountains uh, that it's equivalent to that i guess only not as extreme, but uh yeah, so we had this and we have uh pictures and videos of this and uh, of our drive over. We stayed at one place called the Castle Inn. And you know why? Because it was a castle. So, I mean, we just <laughs> did step on this. It was just crazy. I mean, we had the greatest – we've been married for, oh, thirty-six 36 years. That's probably some of the funnest times we had. And I didn't play at all, I don't think, very good at all at, at Poy Lake. And I went to Wales and didn't play that good either. So, But I had this great moment. So good for a memory of that. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome.
0: Mark, this is the third time that the Senior Open Championship is going to be played at Sunningtail Golf Club. It was held there in 2009 and again in 2015. And you were in the field in 2015. You had a fair amount of success at the Par five first and 14th holes Tenth hole wasn't too kind to you. What do you remember about playing at Sunningdale?
1: You know, I remember the golf course being incredible, but I, I think my attitude was not right for that because as just your basic, uh, American guy that grows up and watches the British Open, you never paid attention, or I, I'm sorry, I didn't pay attention to the, uh, that kind of golf course, the Parkland golf course, I, I was more into the drama of, you know, uh the lighthouse. There were some iconic points along the ocean that sent me into, I think, a love for going over there. And I never knew how to play the Parkland golf courses the right way. And I'm bummed that I didn't. I wish I had another go at it. I'd love to get more into that because of the, the title is the same. For one thing, as senior British Open champion, the title is the same. And I'm, I'm, I hate the fact that I wasn't good at that kind of golf course. I was better on a more dramatic looking golf course, more Pebble Beaches, more Turnberry uh, type golf courses and. Uh, but I will tell you that's what a, what a great golf course. Super historic. Um, they got some stuff over there. It's just not too far off the fairway that goes in patches that it's made of wood. I think it's called wow. gorse. Yeah. And it's, it's, some, it's some brutal stuff. So it's not like you can go in and flash out of it because you'll, it's, it's not going to happen. It's like, it's like tiny little scrub oak. For us Americans over here. So, uh, there's some unbelievable spots. There's that purple heather, uh, but the, the history of it, the title that it carries, you know, and, and probably more so because I, I feel so fortunate to have won that tournament that I, I know how much it carries and it doesn't matter where you tee it up. That's the title at the end of it. it it's worth playing in. So. And it's just another one of those great golf courses, as we say over here, over there.
0: Mark, when you first came out on tour and you got your first opportunities to go play in an open championship, how did you prepare? Did you seek out guys like Tom Watson that were really good at it to try to pick their brains for how it was going to be different and how you needed to play differently in a link-style golf course and in an open championship? How'd you go about your preparation to play over there?
1: Well, you know, again, hindsight. So great. I, I did not seek enough help from the Tom Watson's. I mean, I had a great luxury of knowing these guys and playing alongside of them and being, you know, peers and, uh, being able to take, take that in. And I, I don't, I don't think it was laziness and I maybe probably I was a little apprehensive about, you know, talking to Tom, uh, as years go by, I would have felt more, way more comfortable as we got to know each other more. I didn't want to, you know, intrude on his week or his time because he was Tom Watson, no matter, you know, how much I was one of his peers, he was still Tom Watson. So. I wish I would have taken more advantage of that, but I will tell you, uh, that kind of golf has intrigued me since I was a kid. I, I love having a decision to make, uh, when I play golf. I probably, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my whole family would tell you, I do not excel when somebody tells me I need to go over there. Cause I don't, I may not want to go over there. I might want to hit it over here depending on wind direction or the way I'm playing that particular round, the way I want to flight the ball into that particular green. There's so many things that go into golf that no one talks about. And, um, you know, that's what I'm having a great time sharing with, especially the juniors I'm working with right now, that stuff. Um, it's, it's, there's just a lot of stuff that comes along with whatever you do, you know what I mean? So, uh, there's just, when you, when you go down one road, there's so much stuff on that road that you need to know along the way to be able to get to the end of the road to start your new road. So it's, there's these, you know, they talk about baby steps, but it's just a, a, the way to learn. I mean, it's the way I learned. It's the only way I know. Uh, I I I love I love that I love learning from the best and uh, and then being able to share that is is pretty cool.
0: Mark, it seems like from the things that you've shared so far, is you like to think your way around a golf course? You like a golf course that challenges you to have to think when you're out there. And what you just said a moment ago, I'm curious your relationship with your caddies. And we got a couple of former caddies coming on the show a little bit later on tonight. You know, you said you don't want to be told you have to hit it over there. What were you looking for from your caddy? Did you just want a yardage? Did you just want, um, you know, something in particular? And then let me think how I want to hit the shot. Just give me this piece. How did you form a relationship with the caddy and what were you looking for?
1: Well, that's a great question. And I will tell you, this is what I was looking for, not what everyone's looking for. I, I, I mean, everyone has their own need. It was a relationship for me. It wasn't that you were a caddy. It was a relationship. I needed to be able to get along with whoever I was going to spend seven or eight hours a day with, five, six, four, seven days a week. I needed to have someone that I had a relationship with. So uh, for me, I'm not a golf guy. I'm not a guy that when I hit my tee shot, that I want to talk about my tee shot or the next shot all the way up to the ball. I, I, then you, you probably won't be caddying for me because that's not what I do. I, I hit my shot and then I need to go to, Hey, did you see that game last night? That hockey game or that, how about the guy shot at the buzzer or how about the touchdown alley? touchdown pass that was no, there's no chance. And they, they get it at the end of the game to win. I mean, something like that is what I wanted to talk about that. No, again, that's me. So as I'm strolling up the fairways, I loved it when caddy that followed sports, because we could talk about that kind of stuff, uh, all the way up to my ball. And then when it gets close to my ball, then I would zone in and get into my, Shot and my pre shot routine and my the whole deal, but I needed a relationship with a caddy i I couldn't have a guy that was just golf only and couldn't carry on a conversation. It didn't work for me uh and I watch it now. I have to tell you, man, I watch it now, and I hear all the banter i I probably wouldn't be on the tour right now because I can't talk that much to my caddy. I, I mean, I want my. Candy. Here's my deal. Do you think? What do you think? Do you think it's a nine? Is that enough? Yes or no? Do you think it's enough? Yes. Thank you. Now back off and let me hit the shot. These conversations that go on uh, about how to hit the shot and stuff—I have to tell you—I I don't know. I don't want to sound bad. I don't know if it's theater, or if people know they're on TV, or does that really go on? So, as a player, you really you want all that? That's that's my when I watch it, I'm going, wow, that's man, you way. I just needed yes or no. I didn't need the whole, you know, make sure your right knees bent at impact and make sure, yeah, whoa. I, I hope I'm not stepping on toes, but yeah.
0: Mark, before I let you go, I got to get a playing lesson from you tonight, and you've talked about a couple of different times how much you're enjoying uh, teaching your junior uh, players. When we're playing, a lot of times, whether it's junior players or weekend hackers like myself or whatever, we, we end up turning a par or a bogey into a double or a triple because we try to pull off the hero shot. We're in the trees. We really haven't practiced what it's like hitting out of trees. We haven't practiced or or we're not even good enough to hit a cut or a hook on demand. When you're working with your students, how do you manage their games on the course and help them not turn par or bogey into double or triple?
1: Well, um, you know, we talk a lot about where do you want to play your next shot from you know is it if you can get near the pin obviously that would be the answer but if you have to go through a forest of trees you can't really get there so where do you want to play your next shot from so it becomes managing your game i mean that's that's kind of how i played the tour was i just managed my game i knew what i was capable of and i didn't try anything it was out of hand. So uh my main lesson would be, you know, back and play is always great. Higher handicaps back for sure, back and play. Get it back and play. Even for tour players, sometimes, you know, get it back and play. Get it to a yardage that you're really on the on the mark on. Like uh Tom Kite type of guy. You know, he he would have a bad driving day but he Hit his second shot up there. He'd lay up to, you know, a hundred and twenty or in, and then he hit it about three feet and tap in for par. I mean, I, I just think that there's part of that game that we, you know, we don't. I, I'm not going to say we because I do teach that, but I think some teachers don't cover that. They're, they're way more into golf swings and, you know. Uh, how to, how to do something with the ball. I'm more into, you know, do you want to shoot lower? Let's, let's go around and let's, let's manage our way around the golf course more. That, that's my whole thing. If you're in trouble, depending on your handicap level, let's get it back where uh, there's a good yardage in And I know I'm going to hit it within X amount of feet. And then I'm going to have a 10, if I, if it's 10 feet, I'm going to have a 10 footer, 10 footer for par. I'm usually pretty good at those. That's, that's I you know, I like playing to your strength. That's my playing lesson to you tonight. And and you know what? The check is not in the mail.
0: (laughs) Mark, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? And if they have, whether it's a junior player or themselves out uh, in your area of Arizona, how can they find you and get a lesson from you?
1: Well probably the best way is uh dot com is my website and and then through that you can get my email. Mweebygolf at gmail dot com is my email. Uh but that's also on my website. Just go to markweebygolf.com, check out my pictures, check out a couple of the programs I have, and uh yeah, you've got all your information on that.
0: Well, Mark, I can't thank you enough. It's always a lot of fun getting to spend time with you. Thank you for doing it a 10th time tonight. And I'm already looking forward to number 11. You're fantastic, my friend.
1: Awesome, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Mark, take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. That's a great Mark Wiebe. Again, markwiebegolf.com. His last name is spelled W-I-E-B-E, if you're not aware. And uh 10 times tonight. So uh, I can't thank Mark enough for indulging me 10 times. And like I say, every time is so much fun and I learn something and the stories he shares are fantastic. So hopefully uh, I'm privileged enough and we're all privileged enough that uh, Mark will join, join me again here real soon.